Uh, okay, so look, there's this thing in church where it just feels like you're not able to like take any grievance. Yeah. Uh, to leadership. I know that the Bible says is there there's a way if you have an alt with your brother, but they're not really in church. It's not really you can't have an alt with like a certain tier yeah. of people. Once your pastor, not your I can brother. have a I can have an alt this way, you know, person to person, but I can't have an alt this way. I'm not, hey, I'm not, I'm not your like friend as your pastor. I can't right. Okay, I, listen, so I can't I'll be your daddy <laughs> before I be your friend. So, guys, what? How do you deal with that? How do you deal with? having an issue or taking a disagreement, you know, with like a pastor. I think the first thing to know that, and this may free a lot of y'all, the first thing to know is that a disagreement with your pastor does not mean a disagreement with God. I think this is really (laughs) essential to know. And um, the fact this has nothing to do with the validity of your pastor's anointing it just has everything to do with the fact that he is not any more loved by God than you are, which means mm. whether in his or her company or without his or her company, God's love for you is exclusive to you. That's just the principle of it. But Jay, homie, dig into some. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think part of the reason why the church has such a big issue with making amends or just rectifying possible wrongs. Um, it's kind of centered around this uh, dialogue that I pulled from the movie Jurassic World. You know, quick setting. You know, in this particular chapter of Jurassic movies. Um, these scientists are kind of recreating the whole Jurassic Park theme park. And um, they have this new dinosaur that they kind of spliced and Frankensteined. Um, unfortunately, because they took DNA from different animals for different features, this particular dinosaur became exceptionally dangerous. Like it could alter its body temperature, which made it harder to track. <laughs> it could do little small strategies so it could kind of play you for a full. Um, wow. But um, it did its thing. Some guys got ate up. <clears throat> and the dude, I guess the, 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 the guy who's funding everything, he was talking to one of the doctors, and he was like, I asked for a dinosaur, not a monster. And the scientist's response was, you know, monster is a relative term. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to a canary, a cat is a monster. <laughs> The issue is that we're used to being the cat. You know, I don't think anyone likes being labeled the bad guy. Right. I know certified psychopaths that don't like being, that would be offended if you called them a monster. Yeah. Because we have this innate thing that makes us rationalize what we do. And unfortunately, pastors get the support of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But in turn, it makes it hard for a lot of the people who run those environments to be introspective. Yeah. Yeah, The people love me. I'm right. Mm -hmm. Even when I throw my weight around. Mm. 
I just want a commercial that. Can we stop saying that, God, will you throw your weight around? <laughs> I just personally do not like that. Like, would you throw, throw your, weight, your around. weight around? I, I know it sounds cool. Now, I haven't been to church in a long time, so I did not know they was using God. Lord God, throw your weight around. Yo, it's, oh, yeah. that's it's, so, it's a thing. That's though. so overweight and dramatic. Well, it, it, it implies, it, it gives God the... Um, Be a bully like me. It gives God the Neanderthalic. It makes him really primitive. Of having matter. Yeah. And his matter is what makes him God. So really, it's a sense of us and our entitlement to his holiness. So do something for me so that I can remember that you said you're who you really are. So it's really it's really a core of mm-hmm. us needing him to validate himself in our space. Yeah. Which is our way. <laughs> Which is crazy because yeah. as soon as you inhale, he's validated. Come on. You don't on. all it is to do, love it. It's pomp and circumstance. All Shout the pomp and it. circumstance. I lo- listen, I love it more than y'all. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But really, okay. Yeah, I can. I, I can go there, but I can it's speak in tongues topic. right now. <laughs> it doesn't take. I don't need. I have function. seven different ones. I'm like the Hulk. I'm always angry. <laughs> but you know what? Right. Before we we get too too caught up, we we let's get back to it. right. Because <laughs> we definitely did. Just I'm sorry. Here. I'm back. I'm back. I I I I want to piggyback on that whole pastor thing that we were talking about um, and just kind of address the sensitivity of pastors here and I want to make sure that we're not and I think this goes without saying but you kind of got to say in 2020 this is not all pastors but if you are a pastor and you're listening or you're looking at this just check some boxes off like have I done this have I done that have I Am I doing all that I can do to make sure that people aren't feeling these ways or that people aren't walking out of my out of my space that I've created um, feeling less than or feeling abused or hurt in any way? And if look, it's something you care about, if it's something you care about, because it's kind of like, you know, it's the idea of being called. OK. Let me stick a pen right there and go here. Another thing is the whole multicultural versus black experience. Jordan, check the screen for me. Um, Repeat that part. <coughs> oh, you need you need this for it. Oh, yeah. So he should probably keep this then. The whole thing is the multicultural experience. What you were saying. I don't want you to lose that. Um, I did. Man, sorry. Well, I mean, I could. Could you just being sensitive to pastors? Yeah, I would. That was a separate point, but I did. I just wanted to throw out there to be sensitive. Like we want to be sensitive to pastors and not try to. I didn't want to feel attacky, or whatever. So I just wanted to put something out there because you kind of have to. Um, but let's talk about the multicultural experience in this climate hmm. that would speak to church hurt. Um, 
Man, it's got to be tough to to be in a multicultural setting in today's climate and not be hurt as a African American or a Black person. Yeah. It's really tough, and this is a deep level of pain. Um, I, and I've experienced it even before this administration. All that I've experienced that kind of pain where. In multicultural setting where you are silenced or as a black person, like I've been in situations where I wasn't, it was, I was called divisive for posting about Trayvon Martin and what happened to him. And white people at the multicultural church that I was at, and probably the ones that you're at too, they just know they're not supposed to talk about certain things. They would like report to the office or email to the office that I was posting about Trayvon Martin because somewhere in them, they felt like it was okay for that baby to die to what he did. Mm -hmm. And that if I had a problem with it, that I am somehow at fault in making white people feel uncomfortable. And so in multicultural spaces, a lot of times, which really multicultural spaces really just, you know, a lot of white people so in white a space that, that allows, allows black people, black people and other cultures in it, because this is what heaven looks like, quote unquote. Yeah, and the diversity score. The diversity, the diversity scores. And so, you know, it's not, there's not an effort in a lot of these places, not all places, but in a lot of these places, there's not an effort to come after me where I'm at and be sensitive to how I feel. But there's an extreme expectation for me to consider my white brothers and sisters and Absolutely. how they feel. Another, and that hurts. Another uh, similar but different uh, event. Um, there's a conference. Mm. You on air? That we're, you know, <laughs> that we, you know, made a normal stop in our travels. Um, and around this time, Obama had been elected into office. And it's so, you know, I, yeah, I'll try not to ramble. There's many ways I can ramble off of this, but I'll do my darn just to stay focused. Um, this conference we're familiar with. We know the people who run it. We know the people who work it. You know, every time we come, it's, hey, brother, hey, sister, we're so glad to have you. We love you so much. Come on and eat this uh, this deli meat with us. Um, but this particular time, it was a bit different. Obama has been elected into office. And, you know, unfortunately, these evangelical circles have a lot to say when it comes to politics. Um, and uh, while we were there, there were some very aggressive um, moments that implied some very ugly things mm. that otherwise I would not have known existed. You know, usually we are we are revered, not that we ask for reverence, but there is a camaraderie and there is a value that is projected when we're welcomed into these exclusive spaces, um, which shouldn't be, but are. Um, and the speaker of that night at this conference got up and preached a sermon, which directly implied that Obama's being elected into office was the wrath of God. Mm. 
being put on America for pretty much living in sin. Um, not only that, they had designated rooms that were dedicated to travailing. Mm. People were mourning and weeping because a black man was placed into office. And in that moment, I realized... Who was a Muslim? <clears throat> oh, he was a Muslim who was and from another country. Is, he was with the Taliban. <laughs> he, he was sleeping with Bill Clinton. Like, <laughs> it, you know, you know, uh, commercial, Lou Alcindor, who is now known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm. who I respect him as, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a Muslim, a black man, said... Oh, I love that. Yeah. If ISIS defines Islam, then the KKK defines Christianity. And as a black Christian, I had to uh, resonate with me. Absolutely. Because with me. our environment, from our vantages, support that statement. And so in these, in the circles, f f forgive. Forgive us for being so honest that you're offended, and we forgive mm. you for being offended. The reality Oof. is this. The only thing we have is our voice. That's it. We don't have jobs or power or politics. We don't have leverage in the House or the Senate. We don't have even... Even in the extreme nature of all of us going to the polls to vote, we still need some of your compassion to win an election. Yeah. All we have is Jesus and the hope that some other culture has seen the light enough. So this will be our voice in love and in honesty, which I think there can be no love without which, Amen. which is that a concession in itself. Which is, yeah, indeed. And, and so, I just, yeah, I just want to absolutely agree with that because I do get a bad reputation for speaking my honest truth in defense and in in all arms of my people. And I do that unapologetically. I do not care. I used to care. I had to care at some point. And I tried. Yeah. Because I was really trying to give my heart into that space um, so that I can make sure that I am absolutely understanding or attempting to understand what my white brothers and sisters were experiencing. I considered their ignorance. I considered their um, in exposure. I've ex mm. I I consider all those things, and then I would come to those same spaces and say, "Man, I get it." So let me explain to you where this comes from, and that was what was shitted on. Not not the you know this oh oh this is my side. side. <laughs> this is me coming into your space saying, dang, you know what? I get it. I understand. You live on this side of the tracks and you haven't experienced this. So it's hard for you to be able to understand. But let me give you 
my bare soul of my experience and because you've told me that you love me. So mm. let me give you my experience and my bare soul. Let me tell you why I am so hurt and pissed off about Trayvon Martin no longer being here. Let me explain that to you from my space. The issue comes in when you do that and people say they love you and then they turn around and be like, I understand. And the next thing you know, it's, oh, she's being divisive. being divisive. She's this and that. She's a part of the pro-black agenda. Doesn't I don't she, even know what that doesn't is. Doesn't she know that 97% of all blacks kill each other anyway? Yeah. <laughs> don't she and, know? And I, I would love to address that, but those who That's have a problem show. with us having a problem with that statement have already made up in their mind to renounce logic and reason. And I've always commended you for being able to make concessions in regards to the feelings yeah. of a group who did not have the regard for our lives. Because um, from my vantage, very early on, I just considered any of those efforts, aside from being exercises in futility, <laughs> it was, for me, appealing to a humanity that never existed. Mm. So I never bothered. I I am no longer bothered, but I really wasn't. I think that was a, a part of the really deeply rooted church hurt that I experienced in that space yeah. because I, I, when I first came into a multicultural space, again, I, I experienced it via chip free. So it was like, oh my God, everybody is loving each other. Everybody is there for each other. Blah, 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 blah. The and then I went to another one and another one and another one, you know, and not because I church hop, because y'all know y'all, y'all hate that too. Well, oh, language, the church hopping. It, all this language it, sucks. It's not that. It's because I've, in my travels with these two beautiful beards on the either side of me, we've had access to many places. And in these many places, I've experienced different things. And in some of these places, I've had the pleasure and the displeasure to be a part of pastoral staffs and mm. all of those things. And when you when you ride in that area, yeah, and you see how high the hate is, mm -hmm. you see how high the and and there's nothing. I mean, it's something when you're sitting down in a pastoral staff meeting and it's as multicultural as the church can be, but the white voices in the room have the rank from, you could be the kids pastor and the, and the lead pastor, and you got the rank because at the end of the day, if I say, hey, and this is a real example, we should pray for the victims of the unarmed Black men that have been, a lot of people are hurting behind that. A lot of people are afraid in your congregation. A lot of people are afraid to go out and get in their cars and drive from point A to point B because they feel they're going to be profiled. It's an epidemic. We need to pray. That's what we do as a church, right? And then for those people to say, 
well, we don't really get into the Black Lives Matter thing because, you know, we believe that all lives matter. And, you know, it really is just a thing of, you know, police, you know, speaking against blue lives. And we don't want to we don't want to be in a position where we're choosing who we're. So we can't pray, but we can pray for France because many people were killed that week in France and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to take special time out in our service and pray for those folks in France. We can take time out to pray for lowercase 45. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the time. Who has done nothing. But wreak damn heavy. And I get it. I get it. I get it. God can use an ass. I get it. My point is this. It is unfair at the beginning of this episode, it is unfair for in 1750, legislature change from Christians can vote, can own land, have value, to whites can vote and own land and have value. And as a black Christian, I am found in multicultural settings with phrases like, brother, you got to be Christian first and black second. Mm. It Never is unfair me. that in 1750, Tuh. I am dealing with a culture that's created a system that targets me. And for me, understanding that target to ignore my value as a person of color, it is unfair. Oh, but Brother Leon, you're not like that. You're not that kind of black person. I don't even down to how they address. <laughs> I don't see color, I don't Brother see Leon. Color, Brother Leon. And Brother Leon, you're not that kind of black person. But even to go down like further back up the timeline when they started structuring, you know, how we viewed us and how we were engineered socially. Mm. You know, just recently, you know, we've managed to wiggle from under the narrative that we were the descendants of a guy who enjoyed staring at his naked drunk father. Mm. We've been a byword for a very long (laughs) Shameful people for a long time. And that's just not who we are. That's not what we are. That's not how we're raised. And I believe 2020 and this decade is the unraveling of a lot of bondage. Some some put on by history, some put on by family, mm-hmm. perpet, you know, perpetuated. By, yeah. But either way, these clothes are not my clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either way, this story is not my story. And if anyone takes offense to my loving rant of self-preservation. I forgive Oof. you. And I think you should forgive you for not having enough capacity to understand change. Mm. 